0: Welcome to the Variety Hour on AM 990, where local leaders talk
1: Memphis. Listen to you move your mouth, I bet you come way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess, you're from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough listening to you talk that stuff.
0: to Talk Money on AM 990. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker.
2: And good morning. Welcome to Talk Money. It's Friday morning. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. And Mac, we've got some facts on Friday. We start the program every Friday morning with some, I guess you'd call them financial facts or interesting facts or whatever you got. It's just those things that kind of... um, Stir you up a little bit. Some of it does. Anyway, what you got for the first one today?
1: Yeah, just a a recent survey of 5,500 homes uh, talking about savings versus debt. 46%. of the family surveyed said they had more savings than debt. So that leaves 54% with more debt, debt than savings, savings. Yeah, which I a, thought was interesting. Yeah,
2: that's right. So when you think about that, I mean, that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is debt. And uh, we have a guest with us today, Jamie Fish, and he's going to kind of lay out some ideas about communication. We know, it's wedding month. It's June. And yes. People are, you know, I've already been to two weddings. You've been to half a dozen Several, weddings, several yes. And people are getting married, so Jamie's going to help us about communication, about what he sees as he's doing the premarital counseling, and then all of a sudden about all those people that end up 10, 15, 5, 10, 15, 20 years after marriage, and uh, then they find out maybe they still have some communication, so that's part of that problem that we're going to talk about a little bit about debt and some some money issues. But here's another statistic: there are 116 million households in the United States as of three thirty one fifteen. That's you know that's a statistic, and that of course comes from the National Institute of Retirement Security. Here's what it says: of the 116 million households, that there's a split between 89 million households headed by working age individuals. And 27 million headed by non working individuals. Now, you and I would be part of that 89 million. Correct. Well, one of us would be. I'm working. Well, never mind. (laughs)
1: Okay, never mind. I'm a working non head of a household. (laughs) I was going to say. I'm going to say Amy still would be considered. Absolutely.
2: No question about it. No question about it. 40 million of the 89 million households headed by working age individuals do not own any type of pre tax accounts. In other words, 401ks, IRAs, or anything like that. And so we're finding that's why 41% of the people surveyed were, were said, we're not prepared for retirement.
1: Correct. Need to start now. I yeah. mean, that's, that's the thing. How, how many people do, do we talk to that, that I wish I'd have talked to you 20, uh, 20 years, years ago, ago or about like retirement? Right. So I thought that was an interesting stat mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. Uh, just not that many people have started. Right. 21% of the United States population participated in one or more of the
2: six different, here you go, means-tested assistant programs in the
1: country. 1, in five, one which, in 5 which I thought was interesting. Now the 6 are Medicaid, Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program, right? Uh, number 3 is housing assistance, 4 is supplemental the social right. security uh, temporary assistance for needy families and then number 6 just general assistance. Yeah. So 1 in 5 Americans today right. receiving some type of of governmental one assistance. One or more of
2: the 6 different one or more of the 6 different Government assistant programs, 20% of the machine operators, here you go, this is one that I think gets my attention, 20% of the machine operators in the United States will ultimately receive Social Security disability insurance payments as a result of a work related accident
1: yeah What's going back to, to last week's show that that You're focused right. on disability that's right I mean wh- again one in five are gonna right. get some some type of disability on the job yep. that where they would be receiving the disability income and that's that's something
2: people need to be thinking about so there are there are three five million three hundred and seventy six million job openings have you noticed that we probably have quite a few here in Memphis I've never seen a number of Help wanted signs you go into a lot of stores today, retail stores looking for help, and then a lot of help wanted sales so there's five point three seven six five hundred five million three hundred seventy six million job openings. In the United States, 5 million, that's what I'm trying to say, not 536 million, 5 million job openings in the United States today.
1: I agree with you. Just about everywhere you go, retail, the restaurants, job openings, help wanted, and and management positions. I mean, that's what they're looking for. So it's a good time if... uh, if you happen to not have a job or be unemployed, now's a good time, time, to, be a good time yeah. to be looking. That's the
2: Department of Labor is giving us that statistic. And, of course, uh, then the last one is per the 2011 Budget Control Act. You ready for this one? That one's pretty interesting for me. The Budget Control Act, Congress is currently authorized to spend... One, a little over $1 trillion, okay? And its discretionary spending for fiscal year 26, 12 months to begin, that's last October that they work for the 12 months, split between $523 billion in defense and $493 billion in non-defense spending programs.
1: When you say billion, Jim, I mean, that's a number <laughs> that, that kind of jumps off the page. I mean, that's not something that the normal person thinks about. But then it the, creates the billions of dollars.
2: Billions of dollars. So fortunately, you and I don't have billion dollars of debt, but we have some kind of debt. And today we're talking about debt. We're talking about communication. Our guest is Jamie Fish, and he is going to guide us through some of the premarital counseling that he does. For those of you getting married in June and those of you that have been married, as I have, for 43 years as of yesterday. Congratulations. Uh, that was a great day yesterday Linda. for us. We've got a lot of things planned for this weekend. You know, we go through all kind of questions and all kind of ups and downs and battles and back and forth. And Jamie's here to help us learn how to communicate through that process. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute with Jamie Fish, and we'll be talking about communication and debt. This is Jim Shoemaker and Mac Jenkins, and you're listening to Talk Money.
0: You're listening to Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Podcasts of the Talk Money program are available for iOS mobile devices. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return right after this.
3: Have you thought about pursuing a career in financial services but have no experience in the industry and need training? If you are goal-oriented, highly motivated, and enjoy working with people, you have the skill set Shoemaker Financial is looking for. Shoemaker Financial is continuing to grow their team of financial advisors in the Mid-South, and they're ready with the training and tools you need to get started. With over 35 years of providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service in the Mid-South, you too can now be a part of their growing firm. If you're interested in learning more about this opportunity, contact Contact Haley Kemp at 901-757-5757 or email at HKEMP at Shoemakerfinancial.com.
0: Helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Remember, financial advisors do not provide specific tax or legal advice, and this information should not be considered as such. You should always consult your tax or legal advisor regarding your own specific tax or legal situation. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker.
2: Well, welcome back. Again, we're talking in just a few minutes with Jamie Fish. We're talking about communication. But, Mac. before we get into it, so many times we find people that end up in our office that may not be communicating and we send them to Jamie or Jamie send them to us because they're not communicating or whatever. But the reality is so many times people don't realize they have a problem. So let's go through a couple of these kind of symptoms that, you know, it's, a, it's an outward appearance of something that maybe is going on deeper inside a person, but these are some of the outward symptoms that we see. This is when you look at yourself. According to the Consumer of Credit Counseling Service, and, in fact, I've worked with them a lot out of Atlanta, one out of San Francisco, one out of uh, Denver, Colorado, and you, you do a lot of work with these guys, here's what they tell us. Number one, and incre- Have this is a symptom. If you have an increasing amount of your net income, is going out to debt payments, an increasing amount. Number two, you pay only the minimum amount of your loans and credit cards. In other words, you get the credit card in, it says the minimum amount's $100, you pay $100. a hundred dollars. You don't even think about paying off that. And it's just one of those habits that you've gotten into. Number three, you reached your limit on credit card. You gotta get another credit card to continue to have credit. And that's a symptom that so many people see. And then number four, you pay bills with money that was intended for something else. Boy, you see that a lot. So again, these are symptoms. You have some.
1: Yeah, warning warning signs. You use your credit card to pay for things that you used to pay for in cash. Yeah. Boy. That's a big one. You're, you're often late with your bills. You're, you're in that float area. You don't pay it when it's due. You wait a, yeah. right up until right up. The, the deadline. you delay or omit visits to the doctor or dentist because money is tight?
2: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> that tooth is killing you, but you're not going to. It'll be okay. It'll be, I
1: can take the pain uh, for another uh, month. Uh, yeah. And then finally, you get calls from collection agencies regarding unpaid bills. You know, and that's,
2: a, that's something that all of a sudden, and the person who's at home, or the one that's willing to answer the phone at night gets the stress from that, and that creates all that, you know, stress that's going on because you get these calls, and you, you know, you maybe you're working an extra job. You may you got th- these are symptoms that create the problem. So, Jamie Fish, we want to welcome you to the program. Jamie has been a guest of ours before. Thank you, sir, for being with us this morning.
4: Thank you for having me.
2: Well, Jamie, you are an experienced counselor. You have been counseling at Bellevue Baptist Church for many, many years. You're, you know, you're licensed counselor, you do your, you know, in biblical counseling, you work with men, you work about relationships, you know, spiritual issues, all the things. But one of the things that I like about what you do, you spend time about communication. So these symptoms that we've got going on that we talk about, what percentage of the people that you see today end up where the, you know they've got financial issues or it's just dealing with stuff and you they end up in your office?
4: Well, this would probably not be a scientific answer uh, because I've done the Research, but just off the top of my head, I would say at least 70%.
2: 70% who acknowledge the fact that they have a financial issue, and that's why, or that's part of the reason they're in your office.
1: And, and Jamie, what percent of that would be the number one reason they're in there?
4: Um, Probably, I would say, close to half. Close to half. they, They don't maybe identify that, but... But that is, the
2: well, truth. you know, Gallup tells us today that basically most marriage, 50 percent of divorces today end up in divorce because it started with financial issues. Now, it may come up with something else, but the financial side of it creates the problem.
4: Yes. And I, I'm sure you see this when, with people you talk to that there are a lot of people that have a lot of income. And so the the problem is not income or money. It's it's. They're not working together or they're spending far more than they. I read
2: something recently in the USA Today that said millionaires spending from paycheck to paycheck. You know, that's uh, I can remember counseling a couple that uh, lived in uh, middle Tennessee. You know, they were they had tons of money, big, huge home horses, all kind. And you would appear when you saw them and they looked at them from the outward side. They were living the American dream. I happen to know that, you know, peeling the onion back because I was their financial counselor. Right. Uh, it was far from being the American dream. They were living from paycheck to paycheck, and one step, one mistake, one problem was going to create a huge domino effect. And, you know, fortunately, we were able to reach in and grab a hold of a couple of things and change that. But they – and it wasn't that they – they were both professionals, and it they just didn't click to them, and they were not communicating. Do you find that that's a lot of times the problem, just lack of communication?
4: Oh, absolutely. And and, uh, people – their dynamic changes. Um, They change jobs or they have children, and uh, they're just kind of running on the same old routine. And then they get in holes – and they can't get out of it, and then uh, it just compounds, and then they're not willing to communicate with each other because they're hurt, or frustrated, or angry, or bitter, and just gets mean, all and those
2: frustration, anger, bitterness, all that creates all kinds of stress in the marriage. Yes, and and so they end up in your office, you know, and 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 when you know that sounded, I hope that didn't sound bad because I'm going to tell everybody. That if you've got any type of problem, before it's better to be there before it's creating yes, anger, yes. bitter, and stress, because and, you've got to really dig out of that. But if you can get there to help so because we always, everybody needs sometimes some way of working through and just the issues, and a, and a third party helps them do that, right?
4: Yes, and um, if you can talk with somebody before you get married, that's wonderful. <laughs> um, Unfortunately, a lot of times when the information that's passed on to people in premarital counseling, it kind of goes over their head. They're so much well, in love. They're so and, much
2: in love. They yeah, stars, and uh, yeah. you know, and that's okay. I mean, I, I think that's great. And, and the reality is, you would hope in the courtship process that that's sometimes been reality. But but I can tell you that we see it sometimes yeah. that it's two weeks, it's three weeks after the marriage, or two months after the marriage, and they, they've already had that little conflict because. Prior to that, it was okay. Now it's not. Right, right. You know, from that standpoint. Why is this a problem? Why do you see this as a problem?
4: Well, I think uh, you've got two people that come together a lot of times. It's two incomes, and they're playing, and they're having fun, and they're doing lots of things. And then the dynamic changes, and a child comes, Then they've got the expense of paying for the child. They have less income. Need a, s-
2: need a bigger house all of a sudden yeah sometimes
4: expenses and,
2: have
1: gone up for yeah. sure
4: yeah and all, and then all the things that go along with a baby which are expensive and uh, and then just the dynamic of you know being fatigued and and then not having a plan not uh, taking time to communicate with each other and and figure out you know are we t- are we together mm-hmm. on these things yeah
2: Mac you know we we talk to a lot of couples that end up with that scenario and we try to peel the part back with the 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 idea of finances Jimmy what I'm interested in is how do you help them if they come to you I see it a lot of times just purely a lack of communication yes and so I mean it's like you know I mean just Y'all sit down and talk about this. And a lot of times we're the ones that happen to be the one talking. I'm sure it's the one that you're sitting there helping them talk. I mean, that's what I mean. We're instigating the talking. You're helping to do the same thing.
4: Well, there's hurt and there's anger, and sometimes you have to work through that first. But then we try to develop a plan, find one or two times a week where you can have a a scheduled time where you're going to sit down and talk about whatever topic. I encourage them to pick one of those nights to talk about finances. And then if you don't need it, Skip it, but don't skip it just because we forgot about it and...
2: Boy, that, that's a great point. Now let me make sure that our listening audience understands. We're not talking about a comprehensive financial plan. When Jamie says "plan," he's talking about a, a, a plan that they a plan of communication, a plan of, of let's talk about the following. My wife and I, Linda and I, used to take a. We would do this every year. We would take off in January, and we would work on our annual plan. And we would go up to Cape wow. Girardeau, Missouri. Up to this is even after the little kids came along. They they had a, uh, an atrium, uh, you know, where they had a pool, and so. We'd sit up there next to the pool. We'd talk about it, planning, and we'd you know work on our book. And we'd say, "Okay, what do you think about this?" And I can remember we we had gotten married, and you got to understand, I you know, I'm kind of a guy type thing. And you know, we had uh, had a bedroom suit that was uh, handed you know from her. It was her bedroom suit, and I didn't mind the bedroom suit. Except it was white with pink flowers and had a canopy, beautiful. and I, you know, it was beautiful. It was very comfortable. <laughs> But I thought we ought to get a better bed. So she said, okay, we will. And I said, well, how much does the bed cost? When she told me how much it was going to cost, that's the communication instead of just go get it and let's, you know, finance it or whatever. I mean, so we sat out and did a whole plan together because yes. of the communication of what furniture we would buy over the next three to five years. I was shocked because she would cut it out and say, here's the picture of it. And because it helped me, I'm, I'm definitely <laughs> a visual person. And she'd say, the cost is this. And. I'm going, oh, my I had no clue because I hadn't bought furniture. I hadn't bought furniture. I mean, you know, I'm thinking golf clubs and, you know, bass boats and stuff. And that was easy with the furniture and stuff. So it helped me for her to visually say, here's what I'm looking for to buy for the house think about this, and plan. And it was a planning process.
1: Absolutely. How long did you keep that pink bed? That, well, that's well, a that question was I'm my gonna... number one priority.
2: <laughs> I mean, if she had have said, we need to replace it tomorrow, I think I would have agreed with that. We might have bought, borrowed money to do that. But that's the communication process you're talking about. I yes. like
1: that I like that two times a week, too, just to schedule. I mean, people are into scheduling now. Everything has got to be on yeah. the calendar. That's right. And a lot of times, if you, if you wait and, and expect the communication to happen
4: later, it just the time runs out in the day. Well, usually at that point in time, it's problem-solving with two people who are hurt and angry, Gotcha. and they don't want to talk about That's it.
2: That's a good point. So let's make sure we nail that down. When you say a plan to communicate, a plan, you know, give us specifics. Make sure that everybody listening can say, okay, we know it's going to be. What do you tell them?
4: Well, uh, um, I tell them usually at the beginning of the week and at the end of the week, okay. because there's some things that have happened uh, on the weekend and there's some things that have happened over the week. and it's good to you know kind of get together, compare notes, uh, look at receipts. Um, these are some things that my wife and I do together. and it it if there's some tension uh, about that, um, when we have a plan that we agreed to when we got married, buy anything you want. Just keep the receipt. <laughs> you may be taking it back. That's a great plan. She has the power of veto. I have the power of veto, and we talk about those things. And and uh, but we're working together, and we've we've worked on a, a budget plan. We have worked on a, a kind of a financial plan that we're trying to you know be faithful to, and so. Uh, we're just checking on each other and holding each other accountable on those things. That's
2: working as a partnership where you're doing that. And, and so now yes. that's leadership on your part. Uh, we, we kind of that's an issue for a lot of families today. There's a lack of leadership in the family. What do you deal with that? How do you... How do you coach a person through that?
4: Well, uh, you know, I'm a Baptist, and I usually talk with people and say, you know, if you've been in church at all, you probably have heard somebody is supposed to be the leader there. Yeah. And I'll say, who who is that? And the guy will raise his hand, and she'll point to him. And, yeah. and uh, then we kind of go from there, and I say, you know, a lot of times um, it, it seems like it's a, a monumental task to do that, but I think it's just some very basic steps. And if you'll carve out the time, be faithful to follow through with that, Start the time with just a small prayer. Dear God, help us. Yeah, help (laughs) us get this together. And then then I I have two um, uh, techniques that I teach people. One is called the speaker-listener technique. It's not original with me, but it has to do with not talking over the top of each other, learning how to listen, learning how to reiterate to one another so that there's not any misunderstanding. So if we're going to have an argument, we're going to have an argument about content, not a misunderstanding. And then the other one is called Ground Rules for Arguments. And that's, you know, if we're going to have conflict, let's agree to how we're going to do that. And uh, usually those things take about 10 to 15 minutes to talk about. And then I give them, you know, some scenarios. Give them a chance to practice it, and then send them home to do it.
2: So that's you you share it with them. Then you give them some scenarios to practice. You let them practice in front of you. Yes. And then you send them home. Kind of coach them a little bit. Do they come back and say it worked, or do they come back and say, "Oh my goodness, this was a disaster"?
4: Mostly, they say it was. It was better than what we had been doing. But I, I think it's like anything. You know, it's not practice that makes perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect. And they need to practice it a little bit because it's a lot of times it's not. Not very intuitive. Something they've got to learn, and I had to learn it. I had a guy one time ask me, "Well, do you you and your wife do this?" And I said, <laughs> "Well, we don't follow this uh, particularly by bringing it out and looking at it and walking through it step by step." But now, after. This long, we kind of do this intuitively. So I think it can become habit, but we have to learn it. Well, I can tell you this. I mean, the
2: speaker-listener, that's uh, because it's so easy uh, to interrupt the person speaking because you've got your agenda. And regardless, and that can be man or woman, both can be very, very disruptive with that. And if you do that multiple times, the speaker who's being interrupted stops speaking. Yes, and that creates the problem. Or
4: start
1: speaking louder. Now, <laughs>
2: and then you're into a shouting match. Yeah, and then, you know?
1: and then it, you're getting nowhere.
2: Nowhere, exactly. Now, th- make sure we walk through the second part. You said speaker-listener, and
4: then ground rules for an argument. I, that's That doesn't just click for a lot of people. Well, I think you know people come from different backgrounds, and so you might have a, a young lady whose parents uh, – Lived a harmonious life, never argued, never argued, or well, she never she, saw it. That's exactly right. right. They did it behind closed doors. She never saw it, and so she comes into the relationship believing that that's there are no the way, arguments. Yeah, yeah, there's no such thing as an argument for people who really love each other. Right. His parents screamed and yelled and hollered and threw things, and so they they come together, and we've got a clash of styles, and so we've got to you know figure out a way that we can do this that will work for both of them, and then once you lay that plan out. If they'll both buy into it and follow it, it it works real well.
2: Well, what we're doing, we're talking with Jamie Fish. He is a counselor, biblical counselor at Bellevue Baptist Church, a good friend of ours, and someone that uh, just does a great job of helping couples. And if you're interested, I'm sure Jamie could work with you, give you some insights, and uh, give him a call at the church, and uh, he'd be glad to do that. What we're talking about is how to manage debt, some of the symptoms. If you've got these symptoms that you look at, you work overtime, you got a second job, you're trying to raise cash just to pay bills, you've lost your job, and if you have, it, which it's created such financial trouble. Money Money is a constant concern. All of these are symptoms. We're talking about how do you communicate. We'll be back. You're listening to Talk Money with
0: Jim Shoemaker. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search for Shoemaker Financial. Talk Money will return after this.
3: Business Radio
0: helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker.
2: By the way, you can listen to us again. If you just go to the iTunes store, search for Shoemaker Financial. If you want to listen to this program again, feel free to do that. We put this as an out as a podcast, and we want you to feel free to just to join us and listen. And it may be one of those programs that you may want to say, hey, I want you to go listen to this program. Maybe we <laughs> might be helping someone that's got somebody that they think, I know somebody who needs to hear a program like this. So just simply go to the iTunes and search for Shoemaker Financial, and you can get that. You know, nobody in guys, to get into debt. Nobody starts out with saying, hey, let's create as much debt as we can. But it slips up on them. It kind of guides, you know, you, whether, whether you like it or not, the consumerism today that we're looking at, I mean, you, you can't watch TV without seeing something that you want, and our want sometimes to get way out of whack. And uh, they end up with a problem. So, Jimmy, when they come in, let me ask you this. This is, I guarantee you, some of our listeners, I'll get emails about this, and that's okay. But is it gender neutral, or do you find sometimes that maybe debt can be created in a a gender side?
4: Oh, yeah. I find that a lot of times a guy will spend a little bit more money on bigger toys and Uh uh and usually, um, especially when children come along, a, a woman is thinking about her kids and making sure that they have what they need. Yeah. And a lot of times it's maybe more than what they need. And again, if they're not coming together and they're not not working together and communicating on what they are going to spend the money on, then that can create problems.
2: I think that's a lot of times selfishness. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I've worked hard. I, I deserve this, and uh, I'm going to go get this. Yes. And or uh, I need to look good, and I want to do this. Or, you know, I think earlier on we talked about keeping up with the Joneses, and the reality yeah. is yeah. that's a difficult thing to do because the Joneses just refinance and move on, and yeah. you're trying to keep up with that. So.
1: Well, again, I think a lot of times, too, we see outward appearances of families right. and not necessarily the, the what's going on behind the scenes. So, you know, you're, you're hanging out with a group of people, you're, you've got a group of friends, and they appear where mm-hmm. they have things in order, and they're buying the stuff, and then, you don't necessarily have the cash, so the credit card comes out, and yes. and and then the hole begins to, to yes. get
4: deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think, Jim, what you said about uh, you know the desire to get more things, uh, people have expectations. And I just remember a, a young couple that were getting over five thousand dollars back in their tax return. Right. They had already spent it two different ways, and they were <laughs> they were fussing and arguing with each other. And you know, here is a five thousand dollar return, which is a wonderful thing. But it created a huge problem between them.
2: Because they both had ideas about what to do. Well, some of it was already spent, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that that I'm sure could be. You know, holidays create a problem. I have never understood why in January I sit down with someone and I look at them and they, they said, How did this credit card get? Well, this was Christmas. And I ask, my question has always been you know, you ended up with this much credit card debt as a result of Christmas. Did you have any idea when Christmas was going to occur? You know, I mean, it pretty much happens the same time every year. Could you not have set aside? you know, $10 a month, $100 a month, whatever, and said, that's what we're going to spend for Christmas because I've saved it and therefore not have any debt. But do you find holidays and birthdays and anniversaries and things
4: create problems? Yeah, there's some built-in ones. And I think you're right. If if we're talking about what our expectations are, and we're working together on that. And I've seen, you know, people who are really good hearted those, those free spirits, and they go out on an anniversary or a birthday and spend a lot of money and buy something very nice, only to find out that that's an incredible frustration because they dipped in a a, oh, yeah. a pot that was designated for something else, and they did something wonderful, but it was different than what the expectations were.
2: Right, right. I have seen this, and, and you said that sometimes men have a tendency to spend more money. I have actually spent time with couples and I've had to confront the guys with this this scenario because they have they've worked hard and I appreciate work and all those things, but they've they've not done some things during the year mm-hmm. that they should have been doing on a regular. This is a manly thing. This is the husband thing. This is the leader thing. This is the spiritual thing. Yes. that they should have been doing in the home, and they try to buy their way back in at Christmas.
4: Yes, both
2: uh-huh. with with spouse, wife,
4: and kids. And kids. Yep. And And if they've if they've made a a big selfish purchase, sometimes their wife makes retaliation purchases. Absolutely. And now we're deeper, deeper, and then now we're trying to buy our way back in at some holiday. Just digging deeper.
2: Can you can you give us an example of someone that uh, where you worked through this process with them and and ended up turning a marriage around? Because as we said, fifty percent of marriages say that end up in divorce. That finances was one of the major problems.
4: Yes. Um. Uh, you know, I was thinking about this earlier that there was a, a situation where we had a, a couple that um, really had never talked about finances. They dated for for a long time, and then they married. And they thought they had it mastered because neither one of them had debt. A lot of them had, or both of them had some savings. Uh, they had some investments before she got married. Because they had not talked about this, she went out and bought a twenty thousand dollar trousseau on credit. Wow! And when you know, on the after the honeymoon, the bills started coming in, and he was just devastated by this. So right out of the gate. They thought they knew each other well. They knew that the history of each other's spending habits, and all of a sudden, just on her own, she made that choice, and her sister talked her into it. Great financial counselor, yeah, who's that's not right. A part of the, the paying <laughs> By the, the way, bills. She enjoyed spending the money, yeah, yes. and didn't have nothing. To that do. was a big day, though. <laughs> that was yeah. a big day. But um, and that was, you know, that was not a deep one because we're still just coming out of a honeymoon, but. You know, it was was kind of surprising to see them back so quickly, Mm -hmm. and that was the issue. We got off track right away, and please help us. And Mm -hmm. so we we were able to help them. To guide them through. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, you mentioned two things. The speaker-listener thought process, that is so critical. And then the rules for an argument, the rules for confrontation, and that is so, so, so critical. So uh, just as a thought, Jamie, I appreciate what you've said. us. Anything you want to tell us just before we go? Because, I mean, I, you, you laid out some very, very good things. But if you were going to walk up to someone and you had one or two things to say to them, what would you tell them? Premarital and then afterwards?
4: Well, just uh, take some time to, to make a plan. Yeah. Uh, and that includes, you know, scheduling time to be together to talk about it and then learn how to do that well. And then I th- think don't be afraid to, to ask people for help.
2: Well, I think the, the, both of those are good, Mac. I mean, uh, uh, you know, people just spend the time to communicate. Make a, make the plan of communication. This is not a comprehensive financial plan. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about just the time to communicate. Talk about money. Talk about how you're spending money, but communicate.
1: Absolutely. I mean, communication probably solves most of, of marital problems uh, if it's clear communication both before yeah. and after.
2: And then, of course, he says if at some point in time you need help, don't hesitate to get the help. And speaking of help, we've got a seminar going on Tuesday. That's this coming Tuesday, June the 23rd from 11 to 12 with Ted Miner and Michael Powell. Uh, they're going to be talking about the the whole idea behind principles of personal finance. Can't miss that now. That's Ted Miner and Michael Powell. Call Judy at the office at 757-5757 if you would like to be uh, reserve your place. Place and your seat for that. That's Ted Miner and Michael Powell talking about principles of personal finance. That's Tuesday, June the 23rd uh, from 11 to 12. So uh, we'll be back in a second. We've got some summer tips on how to avoid uh, some scams that we see that's happening to a lot of people today. We'll talk about those and uh, get into some other ideas that we think you'll find to be interesting. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Mac with Mac Jenkins. We've been talking with Jamie Fish. Jamie, thank you so much, sir. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks, we'll Jamie. have you back on again. We'll be be back right after this.
0: Helping you make the most of your money, talk money. We'll return right after this.
3: When the United States declared war on Germany in 1917, Alvin York faced the greatest crisis of his life. At once a convinced pacifist and a courageous patriot, York struggled to reconcile his duty to his country with his conscience. Persuaded by fellow soldiers that the Allied cause was just, York entered the war determined to make sure his side won. During a battle in northern France, just before the armistice, York went behind enemy lines to take out heavy German machine gun positions. After capturing the headquarters of a German unit and losing some of his comrades in the process, York charged the machine gun nest. None of the German soldiers succeeded in hitting York, who had only his pistol. After killing only six soldiers in the charge, York forced the rest of the unit to surrender, taking 132 prisoners. York was awarded the Medal of Honor for his brave actions, and his story is a reminder to us all of the success that courage brings when it is motivated by conscience. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial
0: helping you make the most of your money. This is Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. And now, once again, here's your host for Talk Money, Jim Shoemaker.
2: You know, Mac. A lot of people take. This is summertime, and we're doing vacations and trips and things, and you're doing a lot of things that you don't normally do. You know, and so maybe you've made a vacation time, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on. We're going to talk about some safety trip tips for traveling, but the reality is, so many times people take that vacation that maybe they're making more frequent purchases. their summers again you know, kind of that prime time for scams and uh, the scammers and identity thieves, and that's happened to you. So first Absolutely. and foremost, I want you to talk. Talk about, number one, the biggest problem, identity theft.
1: Identity theft can, can be big, and identity theft comes in many ways. I got a call uh, from my bank about uh, a month ago, and they asked, and her first question was, hey, are you in Virginia Beach? And since she called me on my work phone, I said, well, that's kind of hard. Since we're talking, I'm sitting at my desk. She said, well, did you know your credit card is? And uh, so we get, she starts asking about purchases, and within about 48 hours, They had gotten my debit card. Right. We don't know how, uh, but about $1,800, you know, gas, uh, gift cards. Sure. I mean, it just happens really quick. So I think that's one of the big ones. Be careful. Uh, I am a little bit fortunate I have a brother-in-law who used to work with the secret service. Right. He never lets his debit or credit card out of his sight. Right. So if you if you one of the the easiest ways to avoid that, don't let it out of your sight. If you're at a restaurant for example, he will walk up with the server and make sure uh because you know used to you had to write the number down. Right. Now with cell phones, all they have to do is take a picture front and, and back, they've and they've got you. Yeah. So be careful with, with debit and your credit card.
2: And it wouldn't hurt you if you ever just occasionally go in and just shut your credit down and just put a complete stop on it and, and let it re, you know rethink it. And just go to your bank, talk about that with them, call your credit card company. But these are things you need to be sensitive about. I know my identity was stolen back in the 90s, and uh, all of a sudden somebody's trying to buy a house in Houston, Texas as Jim Shoemaker. Yeah. So it does happen. People need to be sensitive to that. And
1: Absolutely the other thing that you can do is is take a picture or or a copy of the front and the back of your card. Right. If the card's lost, the most important thing is to get in touch with somebody. If you don't know have the number, yeah. the card's gone, the number was on the back. Yeah. Have a number where you can get in touch,
2: and keep it safe, and, and know Absolutely. where it is. Make sure that you know maybe your spouse or your contact person has it. Uh, not, and of course, we're saying too when you when people are looking in their, the identity theft is happens when people go to the mailbox. So if you're on a trip somewhere, tell somebody to get your mail. Don't Absolutely. hesitate to get the neighbor. I mean, we do that all the time. And just tell them to make sure you pick it up and, uh, you know, keep my mailbox clean because people are running through neighborhoods and just checking right one after another.
1: The other thing you need to be careful of in identity theft, be careful what you throw away. Yeah. Just because it went into the garbage doesn't mean somebody else is not going to look at it. So <laughs> so take the time to shred Important items that have name, date of birth, social security, address, things like that on them.
2: And absolutely, dude. That's critical. Next one is tax scams and fundsters or fraudsters. <laughs> They're fundsters, first one, all. Fraudsters, uh, you know, they... Um can call you or send you something and here's one that shocked me and I actually think that the uh, we have that sometimes on Friday morning when she's talking to us I mean she brings this whole thing out she says even if you get a phone call and on the you know when it comes across your phone it says who's calling it may say IRS but that does not necessarily mean that it's an IRS person. So, don't respond to something that they're calling about. You've got, you know, you owe money, and it sounds serious, and they're very formal, and you've got to send them a the money and check. Don't do that. You, you know, uh, regardless of the, you know, caller ID says it's from the IRS, you contact the IRS, and there's a telephone number. It's easy to find. IRS.gov, or let me give it to you: one eight hundred eight two nine. 1040. That's not that hard to remember. 1 800 829 1040. And you just verify it. Don't send a Absolutely. check. Absolutely. Verify the details, even though they sound threatening, they sound formal, even though the caller ID says IRS. You don't send a check or do anything until you verify it by calling that number.
1: The number one reason these, these scams. Uh, are effective is because they take you by surprise it's a matter of urgency urgency you if gotta you do don't, it if you don't give me this information now something bad is going to happen mm. and you actually wind up giving the information to them because you know you're sitting there watching tv eating dinner somebody calls and then you get panicked yeah. oh my goodness something bad has happened this person on the phone seems like they know what's going on well it's It's just a scam. And, you know,
2: we've got a lot of our our, our clients that call us about different things like that, and that's something that we try to guide them through. And, and coach them. When we come back after this next break, we're going to talk about one that we have to watch all the time because it's the it's the family in distress, yep. and uh, we see that it's a big one. It's a biggie, and it's a. I mean, we're held liable for how we handle it, Correct. and uh, we'll give you some very gory details of how quick it can happen. Some examples, and uh, so stay with us because I think what we're going to try to do is share with you some of the basics. We've talked about identity theft. I mean, that happens. People very sensitive to that. We recommend you to do whatever you're comfortable with to avoid identity theft. And secondly, the tax scams. I don't care if it's IRS or not. What it says on the caller ID, you don't send the money. So when we come back, we're going to talk about fake family distress. That's the third avoiding summer scams. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to
0: Talk Money with Jim Shoemaker. Remember, this material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results, research, investment advice, or a recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Helping you make the most of your money, Talk Money will return right after this. Take a second and think about the three most important goals or priorities in your life right now. At Shoemaker Financial, their team of qualified and experienced financial professionals is committed to helping you achieve these goals or priorities. From insurance needs to college funding, retirement or estate planning, Shoemaker Financial is here to help you accomplish your long-term financial objectives. To learn more, visit ShoemakerFinancial.com or contact them at 901-757-5757. At Shoemaker Financial, it's not just the plan, it's the results.
2: and welcome back. I'm Jim Shoemaker along with Mac Jenkins. We're talking about avoiding summertime scams, and they happen, and we know they happen, and, and it does kind of get you all in a thither because it's a real problem. Identity theft, Max had his credit card stolen. I've had an uh, identity. Actually, my identity was stolen, and it was a problem, and we're going to do a whole program about that and just how you really do work through that, but just be sensitive to it. Tax scams, even though the IRS, it sounds like it's on the caller ID, and it says IRS does not necessarily make it IRS. In fact, 90 times out of 100, it's not the IRS. It's a scammer, and he's trying to get you to send a check. Don't do that. You call the IRS, 1-800-829-1040. But number three, Mac, is one that we identify, we deal with all the time, and this is that fake family distress, or somebody is calling us or sending us an email And even to the point of it, call sounds very legitimate, Uh, and it's a fraudster, and it's somebody who is not the client, not the family member, saying we're in stress, we're out someplace, and we need money, wire us some money.
1: Absolutely, We we get that in our business all the time, but for those people, for the listeners out there, uh, if if you've got families on vacation, you get a text or an email saying, "Hey, something bad has happened. The car broke down. Oh, we're uh, stuck. And we're we we're stuck. St- got to have the money. Can right. you wire me some money? Can, I need it quick. Uh, the quickness is always always, always the issue." issue. Uh, Don't Western Union money. Nope. That's a a great tip. But you need to call back and talk to the person that you receive the email or the text from. You just need
2: to verify. You need to verify. Check and verify. Take your time. 90 times out of 100, 99 times out of 100, that person will be on on – Talking to you personally, Uh, you and I have both done some traveling, and uh, we've done some overseas traveling, international traveling. We know there can be issues that can go on. That's that's a fact. But the reality is, you know, you don't. I mean, you get you settle down, you figure it out, and if you need to contact somebody, contact them, but let them know here's what's going on. So what we're saying to, if you happen to be the person being called. Avoid jumping on things. Avoid being, you know, quick and you know, dirty about trying to get it done real fast. Just take your time and avoid that moment of uh, of uh, you know tension that says I got to do this right now. And don't run a Western Union or don't send them a debit credit card.
1: Right. Most of the time, if you'll think through it, if you'll think through it, you'll you'll find the holes. What happens is mistakes are made when you when you panic when you get in a hurry. Something bad has happened. I've got to solve it right now yeah. uh, to do that. Without, again, I think the verification of that information is critical.
2: Well, I got a client email that said, hey, I need $10,000. I've just found something up here and somewhere in Vermont or something, and I've just found some furniture, and I need 10000 wired to my account so I can write a check. I want to pay for it. Well, that actually was kind of somewhat legitimate. I mean, believe it or not, I knew that that he did trips like that, but it didn't. It didn't sound right because that's not. He would have called me. He wouldn't have sent me this email. And, I mean, I thought for a second, I said, hmm, that doesn't sound right. And so I said, let me just call him. So I just picked up the phone, called him, and I said, you know, I just got an email from you. You're in Vermont. He says, no, I'm on the ninth hole of a golf course here in Memphis playing golf. And I said, well, somebody has just hacked into you, and, you know, and we've said it that to happen. We actually had a case in St. Louis where someone, literally the client had an accent and the scammer knew they had an accent and they set the guy up sent the email and then made the call with the accent and it took They some, do their research they, I mean
1: they are not out there playing games right these these a lot of times these are professional thieves that's exactly right and and that's what they're trying to do they've done their research they can hack somebody's account pretty easy get their email it can be from a legitimate email yeah, absolutely. address absolutely so so if you don't take the time and verify it you can make a mistake before you know what's going on.
2: So just be careful with it. identity theft, tax scams, and fake family distress. You know what's happening Sunday? Sir, you Fa- are a yes. father and Father's a Father's Day. Day. There Father's are several Day. things here that we want to talk about. So uh, the fatherhood cycle, start us out.
1: Yeah, so the fatherhood cycle, and I thought this was interesting. Uh, at four years old, your son or daughter, my dad can do anything. At seven years old, my dad knows a lot, a whole lot. Twelve years old? Oh, well, naturally, father doesn't know that either. 14 years old, father, he's hopelessly old-fashioned. <laughs> 21 years old, ah, oh, that man is so out of date. What did you expect? <laughs> 25 years, he knows a little bit about it, but not much. And then we see the cycle start to turn again. At 30 years of age, son or daughter, maybe we ought to find out what dad thinks.
2: And 35, let's ask dad what he would do before we make a decision. At 40 years old, I wonder what dad would have thought about that. That's a biggie. He was pretty smart. At 50 years old, my dad knew absolutely everything. At 60 years old, I'd give anything if dad were here so I could talk this over with him. I really miss that guy. You know, it is Father's Day. There's so much going on. I mean, you have two beautiful daughters, and I have two beautiful daughters and nine grandkids. We just think it's important to tell everybody that, you know, the reality is, Happy Father's Day to a lot of folks.
1: Absolutely, if you're if you're a father out there listening or, or not listening, or if you have a father, yeah, re- reach out and make one Sunday thing you special. and
2: I have talked about a lot. And your dad's one of my best friends. And uh, reality is, is to, to keep that mindset. Spend time with your dad while you can. I lost my dad when I, you know he was fifty four years old. I was twenty two. Uh, and, you know, I, there's tons of times I would have loved for him to have been able to come back into the office and spend some time with me, just couldn't do it.
1: Sure, absolutely. I'm in that 40-year-old range, so I get my dad's opinion on a lot of stuff. A lot of, a stuff. Lot of stuff. Absolutely. Well, I you,
2: hope you've enjoyed today's program. Jamie Fish has been here. He's the Director of Biblical Counseling at Bellevue Baptist Church. Did a great job of communication. Our producer and board operator, Art Frederick. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistants, Eleanor Moskowitz and Katie Breshier. Mid South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. Mac Jenkins and Jim Shoemaker have been your hosts today. You've been listening to Talk Money on KWAM
4: 990.
0: Jim Shoemaker and Mac Jenkins are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services Incorporated, securities dealer member FINRA/SIPC. A registered investment advisor, Shoemaker Financial, is independently owned and operated. Bellevue Baptist Church and Security and Financial Services Incorporated are not affiliates.